Good morning. Woo, okay, let's swing that one more time. Good morning. There we go. Now we're talking. Now we're cooking with oil. Hey, Matt and Julie Walsh, come on up. You're the next contestant on Grace Point Church. No, I'm just kidding. You guys, come on up, Matt and Julie. Hey, guys, Matt and Julie Walsh um, are GPC missionaries who are going to be heading back to Burkina Faso, West Africa, um, in about a week and a half. About a week, 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 a week. Here we go, Matt. Um, We'd like to take some time right at the beginning here to let you know who in the world these guys are, and really, just to show off, Sarah. Isn't that cute? Sarah, what do you have to say? <laughs> Let me get back to sleep. Mm-hmm. Like, Dad, get that out of here. I think she just gave it a right hook. First of all, congratulations to you guys. This is great. She looks healthy. I told uh, Julie here, um, she has the same hairstyle as I do, which I appreciate. <laughs> really nice. Makes me feel at home. Family tradition. Family tradition. That's good. Well, hey, Matt and Julie, um, you've been, a lot of people know you now. Some here don't know who in the world you are, but... Um, what, what I just did introduce you, your missionaries, Burkina Faso, West Africa, you've been there for five years, five years. Um, Julie grew up in this congregation, married Matt. We still love you, even though you did that, Julie. And now you're off and we have been partnering with you guys in more strategic ways over the past couple of years. So you've told us um, in times past where you're at. But now as you get ready to go, kind of bring us up to speed quick on where where you've been since you last talked to us here. Maybe some of the some of the big hitters that have been going on with um, support raising and your trip out west or what have, what have you. So kind of bring us up to speed with where the Walshes are at now. All right. Um, we've had a very uh, busy uh, and full uh, home assignment since we've been back. Um, and as you said, we're getting ready to head back on uh, Monday the 22nd. Um, since we've talked to you last, we, we did a, a big trip out west. It was very, very um, uh, amazing family experience. Uh, we traveled over 7,500 miles and only had to stop to go to the bathroom once. So with uh, three small children and a pregnant wife, that was uh, my dream trip. Um, <laughs> and we, we got to see the, the, most of the country. It was just uh, absolutely amazing uh, being out in uh, um, uh, Yosemite? No. Yellowstone National Park in June and having it snow, um, you know, seeing the, seeing the Pacific Ocean, all these kind of big family memories. We got to see a lot of family and friends and supporters along the way, and it was just a, a very blessed trip for us. Uh, since getting back from that, we've been um, busy working on some home projects, uh, and finished raising our support, getting ready to go, having lots of meetings with different churches, different teams, um, and... We uh, have been very blessed in, in the support from this church, uh, from um, this congregation, both for our personal needs, for our, our, our ministry needs, um, and for the Village Water Project, uh, which you have been so faithfully supporting. And we're very excited to be going back and being able to continue with that. I just got my first report uh, about a week ago on how that was going, and um, they, the two uh, Initial stations that we set up for water distribution are up and running well. Um, there are two people with disabilities that are managing one, ma- managing each of those stations. That is going well uh, and providing a lot of water to the community. And so we're really excited about um, how successful the pilot phase was. And uh, we know we have a lot of work to do to go back and now expand that from, from two stations through the village to uh, possibly over a dozen um, and prepare the way for the Grace Point team that will be coming out uh, hopefully sometime this spring to, to help us uh, with that installation. 
Um, we have been very blessed with uh, the amount of support that was raised for our ministry vehicle. Uh, we think we have enough. It's a very challenging process when you're trying to raise dollars to buy something that sells in CFA, but you're getting quoted in yen. Uh, so we don't really ever know what we need uh, until we we've, we'll have it. So we ordered it in August, and then we're told that the office that handled the order was closed till September, to the end of August. Uh, and so we thought it would be done by the middle of September. It's almost the middle of October, and we still haven't uh, had any confirmation the latest email was that it's possible it could be next week. So we went from thinking it would be sitting there waiting for us uh, you know, weeks in advance to praying very hard that it's there uh, before we have to drive down to Madaga. Um, so once we've actually purchased it, then we'll know how much it costs. Uh, and then we'll know if we've ha- we have enough or not. It's, it's a weird, silly way, but it's kind of the way you get used to it after a while. And for our personal support, um, God has been amazing. We've raised... Um, over $800 a month for our personal needs, and uh, we, there still remains $400 a month that we need uh, to get up to full support, but we only need $200 a month to, to go. And so in this last week, um, we're looking to raise that final $200 a month, but we've seen in the last two weeks, um, uh, God bring in over $300 a month just in the last two weeks. So we see his timing on everything. We see his hand, and we're being, uh, trying to be faithful and uh, patient to, to, to allow that to happen. Excellent report. Okay, Matt, um, you gave us a little preview of what's to come when you get back. Um, one thing to throw in here, there's going to be an informational meeting after church today for people who are thinking about what you're talking about that is going to Burkina to see these guys um, spring time more details to come if you're interested in that now i want to tell you that now if you're interested don't forget after church head right over here into this room right afterwards um, mary stoltzus will be there um, and i don't know if you guys are gonna be there or not but um, if you want to know more about it jump into that how can we as a church matt and, and julie how can we support you guys here going forward we've talked about some financial support we already have in place for you guys but um, what does it look like as you guys launch from here how can we as a people sitting here wondering we feel good about what you're doing. Um, so what can we do with that sentiment? This church is, is so well connected with us. We really uh, are blessed in, in so many ways. Um, the, the, you said the levels of financial support and, and partnership there are, are really amazing. Um, prayer, we need a lot of prayer as we head back. Uh, during our first five months back, we have a team from uh, West Shore Free Church coming in November. We go straight from that to a um, one-week uh, party for the Handicap Center, 25th anniversary for the Handicap Center. And let me tell you, uh, the Burkinabes, they know how to throw a party. And so it is a one-week, you know, day-to-day, hour-to-hour party. Uh, and so several hundred or thousand people are going to be coming down to the village from various areas. Uh, so it's going to be a very intense time. We go from that to a, uh, a homeschooling co-op for the kids, Christmas with a container arriving some point in time, followed directly by a team from Messiah College, a couple week break, and then a team from Grace Point Church. So we need your prayers uh, a lot with this initial transition. We, we probably won't be uh, spending much time doing any kind of planning or, or, or future orienting until uh, the end of March. Um, and I can't... Uh, I can't put into words how encouraging it is for, uh, for us when a team from one of our home churches comes out. 
And so the, the, one of the best ways that you can support us is by sending a team. And it's not just the people who are going on that team. It's everyone in the congregation coming behind that team, uh, supporting them throughout the process. It's not easy to get over, both financially and just the, uh, the emotional and uh, detail challenge that it takes. Um, but supporting them, engaging in the work that they're going to be doing, understanding that, and supporting them when they come back. We often uh, get a lot of energy to get the people out, kick the people out the door, uh, but it's the coming back time where, um, you know, re-engaging them as they come in and processing the experience that they had and allowing that to kind of permeate through the church. Uh, doing those kind of things has a huge impact on us and, and our ministry. Great. Excellent. Can I pray for you guys here before you, before you go? Father, thanks so much for the time to be here with Matt and Julie and really their vision of um, what you've laid on their hearts to continue to work on in Burkina. We thank you that we can come alongside them and support them in ministry. Pray for those even now who are sitting here or thinking about going and participating in this trip here in the spring that perhaps this could be um, your way of kind of nudging them forward to do that and to see a way that they can be involved. We're so grateful for their family and we pray your strength on their marriage. We pray that your spirit would empower them to do the work that needs to be done and to, to kind of keep the main thing the main thing with them in their love for you and their love for one another and the development of their family as well in this environment that um, can be pretty difficult to do the day-to-day things that we take so uh, for granted here in the States. Father, we love you and we pray for this family. We love them and wish your best upon them going forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Matt and Julie, thanks so much. We appreciate you guys. And Sarah, thank you for coming up. You were great. Yes, you were. (laughs) Oh, she stuck her tongue out at me. (laughs) All right. Thank you, guys. All right. Hey, well, welcome um, to to our um, teaching series that we've been doing for about, this is now six weeks, um, called These Words. Um, In These Words series, this is part six, uh, we've been looking at the words of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew in what is traditionally called the Sermon on the Mount. And in that, we've seen, uh, by the time we get to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew 7, we've seen the people um, who are sitting at the mountainside, kind of at the feet of Jesus, saying, your teaching amazes us. It's amazing. It's amazing what you say. You speak with such authority. And then Jesus says this, he says, okay, well, that's great to hear, but let me tell you that, um, that anyone can hear my words, but if you envision life, and I'm paraphrasing now, okay, if you envision life um, as building a house and the storms of life coming on your house, that anyone can build a house, but the difference between those who hear my words and build their house that works is... is that the people who build their house on the rock are the people who not just hear but do my words. The people who build their house on the sand only hear it and don't do what I say. So Jesus is making the point. The storms of life are going to come when they come. The question is, have you done, have you been active in obedience, in following, in doing the things of God, and particularly in the Sermon on the Mount? And so this is where we are. So if that's the issue, if the issue is what can I do to build a house, so to speak, to build a life that's going to stand on the rock, then what are, quote unquote, these words of Jesus that I need to respond to? What are these words that I need to build my life upon? And so we are here in Matthew chapter 5. Now what we've said in, in Matthew 5 is that Jesus is speaking to the, a group of people gathered around the mountain. And they are coming, all these Jewish families are coming, and they've been influenced by the teachings of the Pharisees and the religious leaders for their whole life. So they come, they kind of sit at his feet, and he begins speaking. 
And one of the things he says early on in verse 20 of chapter 5 is he says to these people, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. And we've processed that in the last couple of weeks if you've been here. Unless your righteousness goes beyond, it surpasses that of the Pharisees. And, and we've said that's impossible to do. To, to think about going beyond what the Pharisees do, all of what they do. And so then we brought out the point that it's not about going farther, and that is adding rules to our Christian life, but it's about going deeper into character, not just into conduct. That Jesus' concern is not about, hey, let's add another rule, another rule, another rule, another rule, just so we can all keep the rules. But rather, his point is, let's get underneath the rule. Let's surpass the rule. And so what he did is, these people are sitting here at the Sermon on the Mountain as he's talking to these people. And um, he says, okay, let me give you some examples. First of all, you've heard it said, don't murder and everyone's sitting there, well, yeah, I mean, I haven't murdered anybody. And then he says, but I just want to tell you that anyone who's been angry with their brother isn't guilty of the, the fire of hell. Okay, you're going deeper. You've heard it said, um, don't commit adultery, right? But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Okay, now we're going deeper. And, and last week, the issue of divorce and marriage and intimacy and relationships. And are we going to keep our promise to one another? Not what are the ways in which I can get out of my relationship, but rather why in the world should I even stay in it in the first place? And so all along the way, Jesus is trying to drive it deeper rather than farther. And so what we've said, uh, this little um, this filter of how we're thinking through the kingdom um, principles is, is this, that kingdom people, first of all, aim for the king's ideal, live in the broken world, and grow in the space between, right? We've said that the king's ideal is over here. These are ideals that we're not going to meet. Don't ever get angry with your brother, right? Don't ever look at someone lustfully in your heart, good, don't ever think about creating distance in your relationship with your spouse in terms of even thinking, considering about um, lowering the intimacy level in your marriage, right? Okay, these are ideals. Over here, we live in the broken world where I lose my temper and I get angry, where I look lustfully, where I am a, a, a um, creator of distance in relationship because of my selfishness. And so I live over here, and yet I continue to aim for the king's ideal. And in the space between here and here is where I can grow. And this morning is no different. Jesus is taking aim at something that on the surface it seems, it just seems uh, almost silly because we don't, we don't engage this where we live. It, it seems uh, like it doesn't quite strike the target of our hearts as the others have. But what he's speaking to, what he's driving to, is really today the foundation of all of our human relationships that we ever have. He's speaking to how in the world we relate to one another and why in the world it's even important at all. And he's speaking about the issue of trust with one another, and particularly whether you and I are trustworthy people. Now, in case you fall asleep, you get a text to go do something more important, you otherwise are checked out mentally, I want to tell you at the beginning, and then you can go do whatever you want to do. I want to tell you what I want to say, and then you can kind of take that for what it is. So here's what I want to say, because here's what I think the point of this passage is, is that when yes or no becomes maybe or maybe not, everyone loses. 
When yes or no becomes maybe or maybe not, everyone loses. Let me explain that. I'm going to explain it in the time that we have together. But when, when I say to you, yes, I'm going to do that. And you think in your mind, I think he means maybe. Everyone loses. When I say no, I would never do that. And you think, he probably means maybe not. Then everyone loses. Let me flesh this out. When I was in junior high, I had a couple of junior high leaders, the Sharps were their name. And I grew to trust them innately because they were yes and no people. When, when I looked at, at the Sharps, and I, when they said, yes, we're going to be there, they were there. When they said, that's not a good idea, I trusted them. It's not a good idea. When I went to work in Dallas at our church down there, I had a boss who was a yes and no guy who said yes and meant yes, and who said no and meant no. And honestly, sometimes I hated that. When he would tell me, no, that was poorly done, poorly executed, that was not a good project. Okay. Then we'd come on the back end and say, yes, well done, great job, I believe him. People who are trustworthy create environments, so to speak, where everybody wins. But we've been on the backside of that, where we hear from people and even from companies, uh, yes, this product will work, guaranteed or your money back. In other words, maybe it will work. I've had this experience with in the computer world, and I'm just going to kind of leave it at that, but I switched allegiances a couple of years ago, right, to another kind of computer that seems to work regularly. The other computers that I had seem not to work regularly. So the promise from the computer company is buy the product and yes, it will work. And what I knew is maybe it will work, not yes, it will work. And I needed something that yes, it will work work and I did not trust the product anymore and so I don't want maybe, I want yes, right? We've all been there, right? We've been there with parents who have told us yes and, and we still give, my sister and I still give our parents a hard time about this. They told us they would take us to Disney World when we were kids, they really did. They have yet to take us to Disney World. Uh, we're not bitter about that at all. We process that. But listen, don't we do all that as parents? Anyhow, we say to our kids, uh, yes, hey, I really am going to do this. I'm going to be there. Hey, when you get through that, we'll get this for you and keep moving. And yes, yes, yes. And then sometimes we just can't. Sometimes, honestly, we forget. This happens in dating relationships too, doesn't it? We've been burned by this, haven't we? People are saying, yes, I, I, I like you, and then it moves into, I love you, and then you begin to trust that yes means yes, and no means no, and you're going to be with me, I'm going to be with you, yes, what would a life look like together, and then yes turns into maybe, and you begin to feel that, and you hate that, and you don't know how to stop the maybe train, but it's going, and then it's yes turned into no. How did yes turn into no? I thought yes meant yes. No, you didn't understand. Yes means Maybe. And we're okay with that. Yes means maybe. And when maybe doesn't work anymore, then I'm just going to kind of move yes into no. I'm not going to be with you anymore. And then the things that I learned about you that you thought, yes, we're just going to be private between us, are no longer private between us. And everybody knows about the things that I said, yes, I'm not going to tell anybody. Right. In other words, maybe I'm not going to tell anybody. Our whole society is actually built on 
this reality that we, quite frankly, don't trust one another. You know, little Sarah was up here a minute ago. Think about this. Um, when we had kids, and we had two here at Women and Babies, one down in Dallas, um, I, every time, every time, I'm the father, right? I'm the dad. I have to prove to you that I'm the dad. I have to get my ID out and have a piece of paper show you that I'm actually, I'm the dad. Listen, I'm the father of the child. Let me see it. No, we can't. We need some ID. Really? I'm the dad. In other words, you don't trust me. I'm saying, yes, I'm the dad. That could be maybe. Little kid grows up, little junior grows up, junior goes to school, brings home homework, and the, the, the teachers say to the parent, to the kid, have your parents sign the homework because we don't trust you, right? Right? Otherwise, we wouldn't make you have the parents sign it. Little kid grows up further, they come, become about seven years old, they want their first cell phone, right? They have to, they have to sign an agreement that says, I will have a two-year contract with you because if it's not good enough for me to say, yes, we will have a two-year contract, you don't trust my word, I need something else to prop up my word, piece of paper with writing on it because we don't trust each other. When I go to buy a house and little Junior grows up and Junior goes on to, to buy a house, Junior's not going to be able to walk into the bank and say, I need $250,000 loan. Trust me, I'll pay it back. We don't trust you, Junior. We don't. And so here's what we do because we don't trust each other. Our entire society is built on this reality that we're okay with, yes meaning maybe, and no meaning maybe not. This is how we interact with one another all the time. And so when it, be, when it comes to relationships, even when it comes to relationships that have a covenant or a vow kind of relationship to them like marriage, we're okay with because we're conditioned to think yes often if not always means maybe. I've been disappointed by so many people, so many companies, so many things that yes often means maybe and I'll kind of hope for the best. And no, what I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm never going to break up with you. I'm never going to go that direction. Well, sometimes people do. And so no can mean maybe not. And so what I want to say this morning, I think what Jesus is getting after is the, the basis of our relationships. When yes or no come to be maybe and maybe not, everyone loses. And he says this in different language, but it's right there in Matthew chapter 5. If you're not there yet, I invite you to turn over there. Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 to 37. 33 to 37. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's one near you in the pew around you. And uh, that Bible, if you don't own one, is yours to keep. Two kinds of Bibles. One is newer, that's on page 786. Another is older, and that's page 937. 786 and 937, Matthew chapter 5. Jesus is speaking. Again, he says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but keep the oaths that you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, 
or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot even make one hair white or black. Simply yet your yes be yes, and your no, no, and anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Ba-dum. Verse 33 alone, starting there, this is where Jesus takes us back. He takes us back to a section in Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 12. And in Leviticus 19 is this long list of things which are kind of odd. It's kind of fun to read if you just want some weird Bible trivia about uh, fabrics being sewn together and tattoos and um, different kinds of ways to eat different kinds of food. Weird chapter. There it is, Leviticus 19. In the middle of that is this thing about oaths, verse uh, 33 of chapter 5, what Jesus pulls out. To be honest, to be honest, verse 33 alone, if we had only verse 33 and we took that before our kids at the dinner table or before our Sunday school class or our friends or whatever, it sounds good by itself, doesn't it? I mean, look at verse 33. I said to people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you made to the Lord. Good. I mean, seriously, this is good. We want honest people. We want people of integrity. I mean, good grief, what's so wrong? Why pick that one? Of all the things to pick, I mean, this, you're talking about people of integrity, right? Why pick this one? No, Jesus drives it further, and he says, verse 34, as I read, but I tell you, so in other words, there's something wrong with what's underneath verse 33. There's something wrong with how you're conceiving of your trusting relationships with one another. And what this has turned into is here in verse 34. You, you see, don't swear. He says, don't swear at all, either by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by earth, it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And don't swear by your head, for you cannot even make one hair white or black. Four things that he draws out. And, and what had happened is the Pharisees had taken Leviticus 19 and this concept of swearing, not cursing like we mean it, but by making a promise, taking a vow of taking that concept of swearing by the Lord. And, and the Pharisees knew the frailty of the human heart. And so they knew that um, people break their oaths and break their word all the time. And so here's the danger. If you're going to make an oath to God and break it, this is really bad. And so, because we don't trust one another anyway, which we've already established is kind of the backbone of our society, if we don't trust people anyway, we need something else to prop up our word. And so what the Pharisees did is they took this idea of an oath and they built on it. They said, okay, if you don't, hey, if you want to make your word stand up more um, and you don't want to, don't want to make a promise to God, then here, here's some other options for you. You can uh, swear by heaven. It's not using the name of God. And you can also swear by um, earth. You can also um, swear by Jerusalem. You can't swear, if you, if you swear toward Jerusalem, it's non-binding. But if you swear on Jerusalem, it is binding. And you can swear on your head. That's another option. If you want people to kind of come to trust you and you don't have to worry about breaking it because you're not swearing by God. And Jesus is like, quit playing the game. I mean, seriously? This is, the, this is what you do? This is what you do. You need something to prop up your word because you know you are not trustworthy enough. And so instead of dealing with that issue, what you have created, Pharisees, 
is a whole system by which you're going to prop up your word on a whole bunch of man-made regulations. Oh, you can swear by heaven because, because of this, and earth because of that, and this because of this. And, and Jesus is saying, underneath all of that, he says, don't swear by heaven, don't swear by earth, don't swear by Jerusalem, don't swear by your head. Because underneath all of that, his rationale for all of that is simply this. If God doesn't exist, none of that exists. Come on, you're swearing by God anyway. Call it heaven, call it earth, call it your head. If God doesn't exist, heaven doesn't exist. If, earth, if God doesn't exist, earth doesn't exist. If God doesn't exist, your head doesn't exist. You're swearing by God anyway. In other words, you are looking for reasons and ways to validate your yes being maybe and your no being maybe not. And you're using human structures and systems and you're trying to find ways around the tax law. And you're trying to find ways around your code of ethics that you've agreed to. And you're trying to find ways around your marriage commitment that you've made to one another. You're trying to find ways around the business partnership that you've gotten into. Because that's what the human heart does. And Jesus says, don't do any of that. And then he says, simply, simply, let your yes be yes, and your no be no. And then he adds on at the end, anything else, anything else comes from Microsoft. No, I'm just kidding. Any, anything else comes from the evil one, right? Really? So check out that statement. If, if yes is yes and no is no and anything else, anything else comes from the evil one, that means, that means that the, that the conspiracy, if you will, the, the movement of the evil one, the movement of the devil and his spiritual forces in this world is to continue to help us to distrust one another, to continue to remind us that no one keeps their promises like that. And is this not what Satan is, is disguised as an angel of light? To kind of make us think that it's normal not to keep your word. It's normal not to be a person who says yes and means yes. It's normal not to say no and mean no. In fact, we need these other things, covenants, contracts, signed pieces of paper, to prop up our word because no one is trustworthy. We don't trust one another. And Jesus is saying that stuff is a reminder of the broken world that we live in. And every time, and I know we have to for our ordered society, I'm not saying we get rid of all contracts and covenants. We have to have that right now because we live in a broken world. But every time we sign one of those things, every time we have to prove our yes by writing something down or by saying, you ever say this? No, I really mean it. Seriously. Or... I promise. Every time we have to add language or paper or whatever to our word, we have already gone into maybe and maybe not, and people don't trust us. Now, now the question is, why is this such a big deal? This statement up here says, everyone loses. When yes or no becomes maybe or maybe not, everyone loses. Not only is this 
this message could simply be a, a self-help. Hey, let's try to be people of integrity, men and women of integrity, so people can trust you and you can make more money and retire in Florida one day or maybe in Italy, who knows. Just be people of integrity. Okay. That, at one level, is encouraging news for us. Um, be men and women of integrity. Make, let your yes be yes and your no be no. But check this out. If you're in the kingdom of heaven, if, you're, if you say, if you say, I'm following Jesus, he's my king, right? He's my king. Then, then let me ask you, what does, what does your trustworthiness or lack thereof say about your king? When people are looking at you and they, they feel like, eh, I don't know if, I, ah, I, need a, I need a contract to believe them. I need a, I need a reassurance that they're going to show up when they say they're going to show up. And I, I see their marriage. I mean, they said, they stood up and they said, yes, and yes, we will be together. And no, and no, we will never think about anybody else. They said yes and no, and look at them now. And here's the deal. What is the one thing? What is the one thing that God the Father asks of us when it comes to coming into the kingdom of heaven? You all know John 3.16, right? It's going to be flashed up at football stadiums around the country today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, what's the word? Whosoever believes or believeth. Whosoever believes believes, trusts him. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, some of you know that. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. The one thing that God wants from us is trust. The one thing that God wants from those who don't know him trust. Trust me. Trust me. And we are messengers of that simple message. And Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no, no. Why? Not only to be people of integrity, but because you're telling people to trust your Father in heaven, and they can't trust you. You're looking for ways to justify that your marriage is not close and you're not keeping your covenant of marriage. You're looking for ways to divest yourself of your responsibilities as a father and as a mother, your commitments to your children. You're looking for excuses and you're looking around and there's yeah buts going on to divest yourself of the commitment you made to following Jesus. Yeah, but, I know I said yes at that weekend camp thing, but who does that anymore? Now, I know I said yes to this employment, but my employer is treating me like junk. I didn't know that then, but now I do. And I know I said yes I would parent my kids when I had kids. I didn't realize I was saying yes, but that's what happens when you have kids. Now I, I know I'm not, but everyone does it like I do. In other words, it's okay to be maybe and maybe not, which is stuff that comes from the evil one. And Jesus stands here on the side of the mountain here talking to the folks. 
And he says, no, no, no. No yeah buts anymore. No more yeah buts. You've made your commitments. If you're kingdom people, it matters. To you, it matters. To God, it matters. To others, it matters. To everyone. And everyone loses when people think that you and me are maybe and maybe not people instead of yes and no. Here's what I'd like you to try this week as we think about what this would look like. I want you to try with me, because I'm going to try this too, okay? I'm going to try this too. I'm going to try saying two words this week more intentionally than I do regularly. Yes. And no. That's profound, wasn't it? But I'm going to replace words in my vocabulary. I'm going to ask you to consider replacing too. I'm going to replace uh-huh with yes. I'm going to replace nah with no. I'm going to replace sure with yes. I'm going to replace I don't think so with no. For the intentional purpose of reminding myself, God is saying to us as people, you are yes and no people. I mean, don't be idiots about it. Don't be insensitive, right? The point is, the simple truth, the simple truth of becoming a trustworthy person is what the kingdom of heaven is asking of us. So let's practice right now. Let's say yes together, right? Are you ready? One, two, three. Yes. That was beautiful. Beautiful. Now, now, this is hard. Some of you have never actually used this word in your whole life. Let's now say no. Ready? No. Because it's hard for us to say that, let's do that one more time together. Ready? Here we go. No. All right. You've now said no twice in one day. A new record for some of you. Saying no is hard, right? Saying no is hard. And saying yes is hard, too, because as soon as we do it, we've committed to something. And this is what Jesus asks of us. And imagine what it would be like. Can you imagine a world where you walk into a bank, like, I need $250,000, and they say, can you pay it? And you say, yep. And you're like, no, I shouldn't have said yep. I mean, yes. And they say, okay. Imagine that. Imagine walking up the aisle and seeing people get married or you're doing do the same thing. And, the minister says, do you promise? Yes. Do you promise? Yes. Anybody else? No, no. Imagine what it would feel like to trust people at that level. This is what our Father asks of us. And this is why Jesus says, don't let your yes be maybe and your no be maybe not. Let's pray together. Our good God and our Heavenly Father, we are um, woefully inadequate to keep our own commitments. We can't even keep them to ourselves, let alone to others. We fail ourselves. <laughs> we fail those who are closest to us. Our broken world reinforces to us that it's okay not to depend on one another, and it's normal not to trust people, and it's normal comes the message not to be trustworthy yourself, because who really is? 
And in the middle of that fog, cut these words that clear it up for us. It matters to be trustworthy. Because our trustworthiness reflects the trustworthiness of our king. It's not just about being people of integrity, while that's good. It's about showing to this world the unconditional love, trust, worthiness of our Father. So we pause this morning in the middle of what's going on in our world, and we know, we know, I know we know, that there are commitments we've made, there's relationships that we have, there's things that we know that we just need to work on. We, we need to be more yes and no people, more more committed in a relationship and more committed to saying no to other things. So I pray for courage for us to work in those areas that are already so close to our heart. And I pray that you would continue to give us the, um, the grace in this process of growth as we walk through where we really live and what we're aiming for to realize that we need your help desperately. We need your help to do this, Father. We need the direction, the support of our Savior. As this song indicates, it's because of you that we're alive. It's because of the blood of Jesus Christ that covers and covers me and raised him to life. It's because of Jesus we're alive. And so if that's true, that it's because of Jesus we're alive, that we want to be people who reflect his values and reflect his trustworthiness as our king to everyone. Give us the courage this week to replace our uh-huh with sure and yes. To replace our no with no. And to reflect to our world the trustworthiness of our King. In Jesus' name we pray.